The following production is part of the Play Some Video Games Podcast Network. Welcome to Board with Video Games, the gaming podcast that strives for the right balance of coverage for games you play at your table and on your television. You can think of us as the huge backlog and best intentions of gaming podcasts. We're a proud member of the PSVG Podcast Network and thrilled to be part of the Dice Tower Network as well. I am one of your hosts, Kyle, and joining me on this co-op adventure, the guy who I've missed talking to for a couple of weeks, Josh, how are you doing, sir? Hi, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Uh, Yeah. I'm doing good. It was nice to catch up before we recorded, and now we can do our regular uh, thing for these people who may or may not be listening. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, they w- if they're not listening, then they wouldn't know that we're doing this thing for them. That's true. I mean, like uh, uh, we're doing it for us, so <laughs> we're just happy I mean, to have them on along for the ride. <laughs> it's true. It is true. Uh, and I do just want to take a moment and thank everyone. I, I appreciate all of the nice uh messages of support and the well wishes it does mean a lot to me obviously the last couple weeks have been you know one of those situations that uh everyone eventually is going to have to go through but you never really want to have to go through with it losing my dad and having him pass away especially around the holidays that is definitely um not what we were looking forward to or thinking was going to happen uh so again just thanks for the understanding and the well wishes and you know, the patience as we've missed our first two weeks ever, Josh. We've never taken time off like that before. Well, I mean, given the circumstances, I think we get a pass on this. I do think we get a pass, or we're going to take one, at least in this situation. But hey, we're back. It's the new year. Uh, I mean, the world didn't suddenly change. You know, 2021 rolled, and suddenly everything wasn't different. Uh, so I guess, you know, hopefully, though, things can, you know, start at a low point and move up going forward, right? Like, that's something we can hope for. Well, I think it's funny that you like we talked about it just briefly before, but I think it's funny that it's the third day of 2021, and I think I have equal to maybe even more disdain for this year than I had of entirety <laughs> of last year. So uh, hopefully, it does get better than than worse. <laughs> you know, I I think. Or I hope, let me at least put it out this way. I really hope at the end of this year, we're at least ending the year on a higher note than we started it. I'll be honest with you, we're about three days away from finding out how much worse this year can get. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll have to see. We'll wait and see. But I'm thinking maybe, huh, you know, I, I should say things can't get much worse because that's when things do get worse. But I, I'll say I, I am optimis- cautiously optimistic. That's mm. what I will say, uh, that maybe things will go... <laughs> okay this year though as you indicated so far the signs have not really been pointing to that uh josh how are your holidays though chaotic uh frustrating um uh you know i mean i shouldn't just be negative josh it's the start of a new year i try try to be like that stereotypical person who's like i'm not gonna be that person, this year was the first year that, um, like last year, my son was able to participate in Christmas, you know, 
he was um, three. Well, he's three now. He was two last year, and he could kind of grasp what was going on this year. This year, when we did, we did um, Christmas Eve, where my folks gave him his gifts. Like we're all in our little bubble, right? So we actually had to cancel our Christmas proper because. Well, it's a long story, but we had to cancel our proper Christmas because one of a family member who cares for a significant other's child, that child's other significant other parent took them to a party with no oh. masks, no nothing. So they just we just had to cancel our Christmas for what it was going to be. Right. So um uh on Christmas Eve, we did gifts for my son from my parents so he could have Santa on Christmas morning from us, you know. And he was, like, screaming and yelling and showing, like, whipping his toys in the air, like, almost hitting everyone in the face of them, just showing everyone in the room. And I say everyone, it was three people, but, like, <laughs> <laughs> like showing the gift, like, look at, look at, you know, tearing through gifts. So it was it was a lot of fun to see that, like... Um, joy, which turned into a meltdown when he had to go to bed and he's just screaming and crying, so overexcited. Um, so that was real nice. Uh, otherwise, uh, you know, otherwise it was just like odd, it was bizarre. Um, and I mean, I know that everyone's well, the problem is not everyone is doing that, <laughs> which makes me more angry. But the people that are doing the right thing, uh, are frustrated, I'm sure, like we were. Like, you can't really um, hug and kiss or shake hands or high fives or try each other's beers because, you know, like, all the typical things that you, like, have this habit of doing, uh, you just kind of have to, like, take a step back and and remember you need to be safe. So that's what we had to do, and, and you know, it's a downer. Uh, but it's one Christmas, as I try to tell everybody. It's one Thanksgiving. It's one, hopefully, hopefully. <laughs> we start at one. Uh, but all in all, it was what it was, you know? I don't I don't want to try to... I don't want to have a negative memory of it, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Did you get anything for Christmas, Josh? <laughs> um, not much. I got... I did get a board game. I got um, the Buffy Unmatched game. Oh, cool. Which is nice. Um, I got some new shoes, and then we have our friend. We have our friend swap coming up this Saturday, but we had to cancel it, and it's just going to be us driving it to each other's doors and leaving it. So we'll be getting something on Saturday. I'm not sure what, but I won't get to thank the person in person for it. I'm going to have to do it over uh, Zoom. <laughs> gotcha. So that's going to be fun. <laughs> yeah, uh, I actually got three games for Christmas, Josh. Ooh, what'd you get? I got Tiny Towns, which yes. I have played. I got Mariposis, which I have played. Yeah. And I got Azul, which I have played. Josh, I played three games this week. That's crazy. I, I tried to make my wife play Mariposis because you put, took that picture. <laughs> right. But we did play a game, which was nice too. But uh, yeah, I'm excited to see you play all those games. And Terraforming Mars is now sitting on the table, ready to be played. Whoa, look, look at, at you go. go, Josh. I'm so <laughs> proud of myself. <laughs> That's awesome. That's great. Did you already read the rules? Because that seems like a heavy one. Uh, I may have watched a video online. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. That, that that counts. Thank you, Rodney, and watch a play. Uh, 
So, yeah, but no, I, I'm really uh, excited. I'm really impressed that we were able to play that many games. And I think those three games especially, and I'll do reviews of them, you know, down the line here. But all of them are pretty easy to teach, pretty easy to learn and get into games. So I think that makes it much easier to kind of just go through. And they all got played multiple times. Uh, I think Tiny Towns got played three times, Mary Post is twice, uh, and Azula got played twice. So, you know, a decent amount of board gaming has happened in the last week in my house. And now that, you know, the work week starts on, you know, t- tomorrow from when we're recording this and the partner's going back to work, we'll see if when <laughs> Terraforming Mars gets played. Right. I'm hoping this week still, but we'll have to wait and see. So, well, we're big fans of Azul and uh, Tiny Towns here. So I'm glad that you got those to the table finally. And I really want to play Mary Post. So hopefully I'll be able to convince her to play that this weekend. Again, like I said, easy to teach, easy to learn. Nice. So doesn't take too long. But cool. Hey, anything else we want to chat about before we uh, get into the show proper? Hmm. Um, I don't know. If we're talking about board games, I did play. We played Isle of Cats last night. Mm-hmm. Last night or two nights ago, I can't remember time. Um, I did play. We did have another. We did have another Skype game night where we played Marvel Villainous this time, um, which was. Uh, I think easier to play with. We only played two people, but only one person controls the event deck in this one because it, at the event deck is different. Um, so that was fun to do. Um, and then we played a bunch of We played like a Trial by Trolley on uh, Christmas, which was fun. Um, but I was a little intoxicated by the end of it. So <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how that turned out. But. Uh, yeah, and then I mean, I'll I'll naturally talk about video games while we're talking about them. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, no, for sure. Uh, it was interesting because we were talking about uh, games that I like versus games that my partner likes. How we're going to store all these new games in our shelves because we are pretty much out of space. How this is all going to work, and the idea of potentially culling our collection came up, and like, how do we decide what games to get rid of? And it's a little bit more challenging for us. Granted, we have plenty of games, but stylistically we both really like different games she's very much into euros and i like euros fine whereas i'm much more into thematic deck building like that sort of thing and she likes those fine so we kind of play games that you know to like assist the other person to be able to play the game so we can play the game we want to later basically is kind of how things go it's not that we actively dislike them it's just that not our preference uh and as i was talking about games we could potentially get rid of I was kind of running through things really quickly, and I was like, oh, and Villainous, but I know you like that. So, and she's like, I don't like Villainous. <gasps> I was like, what? <laughs> she's like, yeah, I'm not actually a fan of that game really at all. I would be totally fine if we got rid of it. Wow. And I was so shocked. <laughs> I didn't think that she had this disdain for Villainous. And That's surprising. Disney Villainous, she's just not in on. She, I didn't she think anyone like didn't that like that game. <laughs> What's that? I didn't think anyone disliked that game. Yeah, she's just not a fan of it. And I think why that is, is the times we've played it in bigger groups, um, everyone was trying really hard to be nice to one another. Uh, and it's not really possible in that game. Right? Yes. You know, like, you, yeah. are a, you are a villain, and you are going to do things that are sometimes going to make the game more challenging for the other people in this group. Like, you just, A have to just accept that's what's going to happen but also be like not get offended if somebody like plays a card that's going to make your life more difficult because that's the whole point of the game right right i hear that so so when you're playing with a whole bunch of people who are just trying to be really nice it makes the game extremely dry 
because everyone makes suboptimal plays and you can't really think about what to do because people just do things that don't make any sense. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, what's the least mean thing I can do? And it's like, well, that's not helpful to anyone. That's not playing into the theme of the game. <laughs> no, not at all. But the game lets you do it that way, I guess. So it yeah. just made the games very long and very dry. And yeah, it's like everybody was trying really hard not to win, basically. Correct. So I hear you. Okay. I de- yeah, I can understand why you might not be a big fan of it in that situation. Yeah. So I think maybe if we played it with a different group of people that were a little more willing to make the decisions necessary to win the game. Uh, she might like it more. But yeah, Skype game. Anyway. It, I'm telling you, I'll, I'll let you fate the crap out of me and I'll just take it because <laughs> that's how the game is played. That's right. All right. So thanks so much for joining us this week, everyone. As always, if you have any feedback, questions or suggested topics, hit us up at Board with VG on Twitter or check out all the awesome stuff over on the Instagram. Also Board with VG. We're a proud part of playing some video games and PSVG is on Patreon. We're absolutely thrilled with the support you have given us there thus far. And if you'd like to monetarily support what we do, you can find us there at patreon.com slash PSVG. But the most important thing is just that you listen and maybe share our show with someone who you think would enjoy it. We're also a member of the Dice Tower Podcast Network, so if you enjoy our conversations about board games and would like to dive deeper into that world, we encourage you to check out the Dice Tower Podcast as well as all of the other members of the network. No matter what type of board games you enjoy, there's a podcast on the network that's right for you. Uh, general update, obviously having those couple weeks off means that our schedule or run of shows has gotten a little bit mismanaged, if you would. Um, so next week is when we'll do the Metafall results for fall 2020. Yep, fall 2020. Uh, so that will show will be next week. So if you did Metafall and you participated in that, don't worry, we'll get to results next week. We have not forgotten about you. I will say, though, Josh, one thing I we might want to talk about briefly, but also I want to hear back from the audience about is Metaspring. Yes. Because of everything that's going on in the world, there is actually very few games that have firm release dates right now. So trying to figure out what games to pick for the Meta Spring might be extremely challenging. So I don't know if it makes sense to do it or not, or if we should just wait till fall, or if we do it and just say, hey, if the count- things come out by a certain date, great. But if they don't, you know, it is what it is, and they just aren't part of the, the results. I don't know if you have thoughts on it. What are, you know, just hearing that laid out, any initial Hmm. feedback? I think, why don't we give it a pass this year? Why don't we do, I mean, and the listeners can chime in too. Uh, Maybe we do a board game uh, themed contest for the springtime. So that way we're mixing, mix it up a little bit. I think it's been a bit before we did a proper um, board game contest. And I don't know if you, I don't know if you've been reading our, my our Twitter DMs, but I'm working on a guest who works for uh, a relatively big company where we might be able to work out some some type of uh, thing where we feature their games kind of like we did a while ago for uh, Yellow. Maybe we can do something for for this company around the springtime and do our own little contest around that. If, that, if that sounds... I mean, we'll talk about that amongst the two oh. of us, but just to brainstorm. That sounds like an excellent option. So listeners, if you have thoughts, let us know. Um, the hope would be even if we take the fall, spring off to come back in the fall because there's supposed to be some big hitters this fall. But yeah, I think just with COVID, you know, in looking at the res- releases up through May, almost not, very, very few things have firm release dates. A few in February, a few in March, but really after that, it gets, I think right now in May, there's literally two games that have a release date. Yeah, I joined a fantasy 
um, video the game critics. Le- yeah. critic league in our Discord, and I'm I'm like, there's no games for me to draft in the spring. Right. Like, what am I gonna do? <laughs> did you draft Outriders? I did. I also drafted Horizon Zero Dawn, Two Forbidden West. Nice. What else did you draft? Oh, let me tell you. Uh, well, you also get a counter pick. Did you know this? I did not so know this. Pick, I saw you, that that was going on. It just didn't work in my schedule to participate. I you, wanted to participate, though. You draft a game that you think is going to do very badly in the reviews. And we were having this whole conversation over Discord while we were drafting. And I, I counter-drafted. I, I I thought the counter-pick for me was Breath of the Wild 2. <laughs> <laughs> And then they all the Nintendo people like Rebecca and Garrett are like, why would you pick that? If it because if the game doesn't come out, it's good for you. If you kind of right. pick it and it doesn't release, because you get zero zero points or whatever, and that's good for a counter pick. But they're like, that's like the one game that might come out. Like, why would you pick that one? And I was like, well, I guess I'm really hoping it doesn't come out. <laughs> so I picked. Uh, you know, actually, I think this is a this is the perfect board. This is the perfect combo of me and you. Okay. In my draft. So I, I drafted, you get five drafts, and then I also bid on a couple games to buy. Um, I actually, Seth bid $1 more for Diablo 4 than I did after the draft, so I missed out on Diablo 4. Um, so I started with Horizon Forbidden West. Um, I drafted Returnal, uh, Hogwarts Legacy, Fable, Outriders, and then I bought Forza Horizon 5, for a dollar and Evil Dead the game for a dollar. That, that's just <laughs> that's just Josh picks. I I can also drop Evil Dead before it comes out, which I probably will yeah. do. But I paid a dollar for it. I had a, we have a hundred dollars that we start with, not real money, but like right fake draft money. How much do you have remaining? Um, how much do I have remaining? Ninety. Because can you buy as many games as you want then with your remaining? No, you can only you fill limited? uh seven additional spots. Okay. So I only have one, two, three, four, five spots left. So I'm waiting for like one of those surprise announcements. But I think Returnal and Outriders are good, like like uh, um, underdog drafts. Like pe- these games might come out to really high scores that people weren't expecting. Yeah, Returnal. I am extremely interested in that game. Uh, I I think is going to be curious to see how housemark is able to kind of turn the type of games they make into a quote unquote triple a experience right and whether or not that translate effectively yeah so, but I, my... I, I applaud the pick though i Thanks. applaud the pick <laughs> i thought of you when awesome. i drafted it <laughs> awesome so like i said metafall we'll do next week uh and then after that depending on kind of how things are looking we might do predictions for 2021 uh we might just go back into regular episodes to kind of look at based of how things are looking there's a lot of rumblings and such about potential events very early in the year here uh, that might happen so we don't want to get too far behind on those so we'll kind of play it by ear but metafall next week yes but this week we need to look back at that last year that was because we talked about our favorite board games that we played in 2020, but we've not talked about our favorite video games. So if you're a board game listener, my apologies. It's going to be a pretty video game focused show. Uh, but I promise we'll be back to board games next week. As you heard all of the ones that I talked, I played about. I got to review those at some point. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> more board game news and, and things coming soon. Uh, but we're just going to really, you know, it's not going to be the typical format of three topics each. We're just going to really talk about the year in games and then talk about our top 10 video games of 2020 because it was such a great year uh we decided to go with top 10 
But Josh, overall thoughts on 2020, the year in video games? Uh, Well, I think it was good. I mean, I know that when you think of 2020, you think a lot of things have suffered, but really, like, video, this is going to be the year, not last year. Like, the games that came out last year were pretty much in the can, uh, for the most part. Some games uh, pushed that boundary. Uh, <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think it was a pretty solid year. Um, I just... I don't remember how we thought going into it, like, how we thought it looked, because I know we typically do that. Um, as well. So I'm not really sure what our, our thought was, but I think we had way more excited to be, we had way more things to be excited about when we recorded our 2021 predictions, 20, sorry, 2020 predictions than we do now. Um, a lot more games on the horizon um, when we were recording that episode than what will be when we record it this year, if we record it. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting because I feel like. I know there were games I was definitely really excited about in 2020, but I... Mm, Two new consoles. so hard to... What's that? Two new consoles. Yeah, that's true. One console that had new games. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, the medium comes out soon, right? Maybe. Like January 28th or something, doesn't it? We'll see. <laughs> Wait till so. we get to our predictions. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. But... Uh, I'm I'm pretty optimistic about 2021, but I, I think a lot of it's going to be whether the games hold or not, and that's going to be the big question. Yeah. But overall, I think 2020 was a solid year for games, and I think the fact that we're doing a top 10 and there are multiple games not on my top 10 that I would have been fine having on my top 10, and a handful of games that I haven't even played yet yeah. that probably could compete for spots on my top 10 really show how great of a year 2020 was when it came to our video entertainment options. So, yeah, I, I do agree with you that releases in 2021 seem like they're likely going to be a bit more suspect because of production, because of the COVID impacts. Most games, I think, were far enough along for 2020 that they were able to adjust and make do with those. But 2021 will be really interesting to see how everything works there. Uh, overall, though, I thought it was a really, from a quality of game perspective great year uh as far as that goes yeah now i think i know the answer to this josh how much did you play games in 2020 compared to 2019 i think more it's the same if not more it's definitely not less um um but that's we i think we really took advantage of our game share uh this past year yeah um i actually meant to tell you i did run into my first hiccup on game share on ps5 I went to go continue my Call of Duty campaign and it was gone and it was only yours. And I don't know why that happened, but I went to load it and all the missions were completed. And I was like, what? So then I loaded it into where I was and my cork board was full. And I was like, what happened here? So I don't know if it like inadvertently loaded your save or and like overrode mine. So I'm able to start a new game under a new save, but I have to start over that i was gonna tell you that like a month ago interesting so that was the first hiccup for for game share that we've had but like the new consoles make game share so much easier already so i can only imagine but um yeah i think that play, played a key i think 2020 was the first year i stopped buying physical games also so 
Um, I think that contributed to to what I thought about purchasing. Is it a game that we would both play? Um, came into like it was a big factor. All I mean, we still both buy games that were just for us and let each other know we bought them. But like, um, <laughs> there's definitely like I bought Lego Marvel, uh, Lego DC villains. I didn't tell you that yet, but I'm, I didn't know if you saw that on Xbox. So I got I Lego did. DC villains. Like, hey, you can play that now. <laughs> uh, but you know, some of those things like we get, and then we just don't tell each other because you know we just overcooked like for you and stuff we discover which is still the fun part about that um but i definitely played i you know i probably played more than the year before now that now that i'm saying it out loud i think i definitely played more than the year before i haven't i don't think xbox or playstation have done their year in reviews yet those are some of my favorite yeah. things by the way i know uh, when you get your little <laughs> email they're like oh how many hours of video games that i play which part of me doesn't want to know my switch uh, time was like crazy like i got my switch thing from your review yep. man it blew the last year 10 times out of the water <laughs> Hades and, and animal crossing <laughs> i'm guessing those basically were the two yeah <laughs> yeah okay the vast majority of the hours but yeah and I, I just really think there was for better or for worse, a lot of time to game. You know, for me, I, I oh, am yeah. someone who, you know, I know going into quarantine and lockdown for people has been more challenging. Like, if you have kids and have to worry about school and, like, all of those things, I don't have to worry about that. Uh, so, for me, it was really just, I guess, I now can walk from my basement upstairs to make dinner. So, really, everything just got done sooner for me. Yeah. So, I had more time to play video games, I guess, is the best way to look at it. So, I have no doubts it'll be more time. I do think that if you had to guess, Josh, what was the game you spent the most time playing this year? Oh, uh, that's a good question. Um, I think it still goes to, it's probably Animal Crossing as far as hours spent in just because I must have put 300 hours into that game this year. (laughs) And that's, and I didn't, I haven't played it for four months so that says a lot about march to august (laughs) yeah so mine will definitely be overwatch i don't know how many hours uh one of the good slash bad things about playstation 5 now is it shows you how many hours that you have put into a game yeah even retroactively back to your ps4 games uh and for overwatch since the game came out in may of 2016 so it's been a while um, i'm at about 1300 hours yeah, that's that's crazy. My guess is probably about 300 of those will be this year <laughs> in 2020. We'll have to wait and see. But there was a number of games, though, that were just big, chunky, beefy games that really boosted up my hours played. One of them is on my top 10 list that we haven't even really talked about yet. Um, but, you know, I bet I'm, I over 70, I'm over 70 hours into it, so... Oh, I was gonna. Th- I was gonna say I can think, I can guess it, but maybe not. Since you said no, that. you probably be able to. We've talked about it a little bit, but not in depth. Okay. So, but yeah, it's been a big year uh, as far as hours go, and I think just you know, if you are someone who's super nerdy about video game and the business side of video games, listening to investor calls, listening to everything that they're talking about, for the most part, business is up. You know, business is mm. thriving. Uh, people are buying games. People are participating in that atmosphere and wanting to be part of the things going on there. Um, You know, we talked a little bit about our habits of buying games. Do you think you bought more or less games than you did from the previous year? 
Uh, I definitely bought more games this year. Yeah, for sure. Um, I bought a lot of sale games this year as well. I bought a lot of PC games this year. Oh, yes, yes. Um, and in fact, I don't even know that I can... I think, yeah, I think one PC game made my top 10. Um, okay. But considering the amount of time I spent... Well, actually, more... Yeah, the, considering the amount of time I spent on the PC this year, which is more than the past three years combined, um, I'm surprised more I didn't make my list. Actually, I'm now that I'm thinking of it, more than one PC game, but they cross-platform, so I played them in different spots as well. But, um, But, yeah, yeah. I think I spent... I think I bought fewer games this year than the year before. I don't know if that's true, but I feel like that's true because I was less impulsive in my purchases and much more planful. I bought all of the games I intended to, but yeah. bought fewer games just on a whim than I have in previous years. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And I and part of that I think is because you and I talk about the games we're gonna buy. Yeah. So it just forces me to be more planful in everything <laughs> that we're getting. Like, hey, by the way, I'm gonna buy Returnal, just so you know. Uh <laughs> So, yeah, I think overall I probably bought less games, and I don't necessarily know that that's a bad thing, and I don't feel like I really – there's probably only one game I missed out on, and we'll talk about that a little bit when we talk about our top tens, because one of the things I'm going to ask are games we haven't played yet, and there's one, I think, big one that I I have not played yet, but for the most part, I feel pretty good about it. What are your thoughts on – and we've talked about this a little bit already, but COVID and the impact there, the fact that there was no E3, there was no Gamescom per se. Those things kind of went away. Yeah. We went to this new method of doing things with everybody announcing things whenever they wanted to, which meant there's been a whole lot of different announcements of things going. Are you a fan of of what's been going on as far as how companies are handling things? Are there things you want to see stick around? Are there things you hope go back to the old ways? Kind of what are your thoughts just on COVID, the impacts that's had, all that stuff? Well, my thoughts on COVID is it sucks and I hate it. Right. Uh, my thoughts on gaming this year, past year, I liked the summer of gaming thing. I liked mm-hmm. how Jeff Kelly did that. <clears throat> I liked that we were c- consistently getting content, um, albeit a small amount every day for about two months, which is nice. It's a nice way to absorb information and be excited about individual things. So I'm a fan of that. Um, I think E3 has always been teetering on the on the edge of the cliff. So I, I'm going to assume this is what killed E3, but you, can, I mean, it can't take the sole responsibility for doing that. But I think game companies are going to look at how much money they spend on show floor presence and marketing and just, you know, kind of stick to YouTube um, and Twitter and Twitch and, you know, these on these services for, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if this year we saw something um, bigger, like maybe Microsoft partners with Peacock or, or CBS all access or something where you actually get a proper, like show event that's run by a studio because now I think um, networks are taking notice now that everything's becoming digital. So I wouldn't be surprised if that happens, uh, which would be good for, for uh, as, as long as it's accessible to everybody. Um, so that would be the hurdle. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's going to be tough for gaming conventions to come back 
There'll always be a want for it. I don't know that this year is the year to do that, though. So maybe 2022 is the year where where some conventions come back. But I don't like... I mean, maybe Gamescom comes back this year because I think it's... Hey, it's the first time I've seen the pup. Uh, because I, I think that they're, they got it better handled over there. So maybe we see games come back. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. What do you think the percent chance is that there is an E3 this year? Zero percent. Uh, you maybe, really think maybe it's zero? A digital, maybe a digital form. I don't see them having a show uh, floor and people coming. Like I'm very worried about packs right now, especially with the way the numbers are now. Um so I really don't see E3 coming back as like an in-person event. When do you think they will announce that? They're going to wait to the last minute. They have to, you know, financially. Like they got to wait. So uh if they I think right now they're trying to figure out what they're going to do um as far as tickets go and if they're going to even offer them for sale and then how they're going to handle refunds if they do. Uh, because they need to think on like profit wise, right? So if we don't have E3 this year, how are we going to make our money? Well, we won't, we just have to kind of stop, <laughs> you know, and people lose their jobs, unfortunately, and that's happening. But I, I just hope it doesn't come down to desperation. Like we have to do it. So we keep our jobs and then we put all these people at risk or we put all these people in inconvenient situations where they have booked hotels and airfare and bought tickets, and now they have to worry about getting it all refunded. Hopefully, they take the better approach to that. So, to make sure I'm understanding correctly, you don't think there's going to be an in-person E3, but you think there will be some sort of digital E3 event? If they decide they still want to do it, I I can only see digital being the way. Yeah, I agree with that. I do think they're going to do everything in their power yeah. to have a, a, an in-person E3, but they're going to see that, uh, especially for just when that is, having it be in June, it's just too early in the year for that to happen. Uh, so I don't think there's going to be an in-person E3. I just don't think the Ducks in the row were in the row this year for them to do it on their own kind of like they wanted to so others who are a little more nimble were able to kind of take that in i.e jeff Keeley was able to kind of swoop in and be like hey here's what i'm going to do and i think e3 just said seems good you yeah. know go for that and, and take care of that so I, I agree with you there uh how will you think back on 2020 like are, are there certain mega milestone moments to you you know apart from the games we'll talk about those in just a second this is kind of the last topic before yeah. that are there these big either whether they be news or events or zeitgeist things that happen that you think will kind of be the what people or how people remember 2020 when it comes to video games it's funny because i i don't know there may have been but i really think the the negative video game press outshone the positive. And all I can think back on is Cyberpunk and the botched launches of two new consoles. That's all I remember. Um, I know there's been more, obviously, like, um, but that's more talking about the game specifically. But we talked about our frustrations with Sony and Microsoft for four months, five months, six months. And and it never got better. It only got more confusing. 
Um, I mean, ultimately, I think we we ended up with a good product, but it was just terrible. And and I and I get some of it may have been people navigating COVID and what was going on, um, but there's also a part of that that wasn't that. So uh, there's just that really sticks out in my mind as like, um, unfortunately, a highlight, you know. But I, I don't know that I have, and you might say something that like like refreshes my memory but i don't know that i have anything maybe in the summer game system when we first saw the ps5 unreal tech demo for that game that wasn't really a game that looked like tomb raider um i think that looked great i thought that was awesome demo and it got me excited about next gen for the first time um but i don't know i think it got overshadowed yeah it seems that the COVID impacts on everything because I think that a lot of the things you talked about, whether it be cyberpunk or the console launches, whether appropriate or inappropriate, I th- uh, there's going to be a lot of finger pointing at COVID for a lot of those things yeah. that we couldn't be as planful. <laughs> we couldn't do as, you know, X, Y, Z because of COVID. And that and maybe that's 100 percent true. That's that's all the reasons those things went poorly. I, it seems that companies are now much more thoughtful when it comes to announcing release dates which i think in in general is a good thing that we're getting release dates announced much 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 closer to when the games are actually coming out than we used to because they just don't know anymore there's way too many variables for for them to take into account and i think we'll probably knock on wood see that going forward as well like i don't think we're gonna get as many huge lead outs anymore as far as maybe games will be announced, but we're not going to get release dates until much, much closer to when games are actually going to be coming out. I think the other pretty big bombshell, the two other ones that I'm thinking of right now, uh, the smaller one of the two just being the leaks that happened with Naughty Dog in The Last of Us Part Two. Yeah. And yeah. the impact that those leaks, I think, had on the consciousness surrounding that game, uh, what was, you know, one of, if not their biggest game of the year. I think that I, I do think had an impact on that game. Uh, so I think just the fact that that happened, and, and I can't think of another time in any real real medium where a significant portion of the plot and everything was 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 leaked, you know, ahead of time. So I think that was a big deal. And then obviously, I think the biggest other deal aside from COVID would be Microsoft's acquisition of ZeniMax and Bethesda. Yes, you know, and that's a one that we'll see the ramifications of, you know, a year or two from now, much more than we are right now, but really seeing Microsoft be extremely serious, you know, putting their money where their mouth is and their commitment to gaming, their commitment to gaming both on Xbox and PC. Uh, and just realistically, how many times this year did you say, well, we'll wait and see if it comes to Game Pass when deciding whether or not to buy a game? Yeah. Seems like a Game Pass game, so I'm just not going to buy it. Yeah. And, and most of that time, it it's came to Game Pass. <laughs> yep. It absolutely has. So, <laughs> I, I, so I, that... I. I think 2020 will really be the year that Game Pass became synonymous with video gaming and a service that is really what everyone now is going to be thinking about and looking at so much so that EA wants their service to be part of it. Rumors are that Ubisoft is going to be part of it by the end of the year. Like all of these other services are kind of coming into almost to create a service that you can't, if you're a gamer, you kind of can't not have. Um, and so I think granted it existed before 2020, but I think 2020 was really the year that game pass proved, uh, it's viability that it's something that can work and that Microsoft is extremely committed to making working, um, unlike stadia, you know, no big deal. (laughs) (laughs) 
So. Well, there's one game that works on Stadia better than any other console. That's <laughs> very true. Touche. <laughs> Who would have thought that, that Cyberpunk 2020, 2077's best version would have been Stadia? All right. So with that, anything else you want to say about the year in gaming, Josh, before we get to our top tens? It's see, 2020 was so long that when I was putting my list together, I forgot I played the game, some of the games in 2020. I thought it was yeah. 2019. <laughs> yeah. No, I hear you. I hear ya. Most of my games are from the second half of the year, but there's a few from the first half of the year on here. And it was a, oh yeah, that came out this year. I totally forgot yeah, about that. Same, same. same. Awesome. <laughs> All right, Josh. Then we have not shared our list with each other. Correct. So we don't know what we're going to do, but uh, we'll just kind of jump back and forth here. Uh, and if I say a game that's higher on your list, you don't need to jump in and have the conversation all at once. We'll definitely revisit it when it gets to your list. Um, just because, you know, you might have, if it's higher, obviously more insightful and thoughtful things to say than if I say <laughs> something lower and vice versa. Sound good? Sounds good. Okay, Josh, what is your number 10 game of 2020? Are we going to do honorable mentions at the end? Yes, honorable mentions okay, will be at the end. Because I got a good list. All right, so my number 10 game, at one point this year, was my number one game. Uh, in fact, I think I Dang. predicted it might still be my number one at the end of the year. Unfortunately, um, it just really dropped off. And actually, it wasn't my number, even my number 10 until I realized I didn't put it in my top 10. So before we started recording, I put at number 10, Animal Crossing uh, New Horizons. The fact that this is number 10 is mind-blowing because, yeah, I definitely remember you being like, this is probably going to be my game of the year, or top three at least. Yeah, and it really got me through some tough months this year, uh, 100%, uh, which definitely boosted its favor in my mind at least. I still think it's a great game for people um, getting into it, but I literally did everything except for the seasonal events. And I actually really liked the first two seasonal events, and then it just became this... It's essentially the same thing, but just different items um i know that's kind of like the whole game um i i could see myself playing it again i think i did i did at one point in the year nuke my island i i i gave away all of my stuff all of my gold all of sorry not my gold (laughs) um all of my now i'm so glad i can't remember what it's called it's been so long back i gave away all of my Bells, thank you. Um, and I I created this whole island, my island. I took all the trees down. I cut it onto grids and I put clothes, like pants in one section. And it took me four days, five days to do it. There's a lot of like fun things to do in that game that um, is like the equivalent of like a stress ball. And I still really enjoy the game, but um, having not having played it for the past five months it really i don't miss it and i and i think um for for that reason because i'm sure there's there's definitely games on my list i haven't played for five months or in five months i mean but um they leave i i think uh um their games i don't know i don't know how to to quantify why it's in 10 versus other games that i haven't played but I just feel like it's it's gimmicky in nature, and I don't mean that as a slam. It's just kind of... For the people who like Stardew Valley and the people who like games like that, which isn't normally me, 
this is probably still their number one, right? But for me, this just isn't a game that is typically in my wheelhouse, but it really did um, keep me sane for three solid months in the pandemic. So um, I got to give it credit where credit is due. And, and I I got a new phone. I don't know how to silence. <laughs> silence. I put it on its face, hoping that that's, that would fix it, and it didn't. Um, yeah, so that is my number 10. Awesome. Nintendo fans, come at, come at me. <laughs> I'm really surprised it's that low. I really thought that was going to be much higher on your list when I was trying to guess your list. I well, thought that would be high. I'm glad but... I made it more difficult for you. Wait until my number eight. You're going to be in confused. You're not even going to trust my top ten. <laughs> well, I, I trust it. You know, this is these are the, our favorite games, so that's totally fine. Uh, my number ten is a game I played a little over halfway through the year. Uh, a game that I had a really excellent time with is not actually installed on my PS5, but I have thought about downloading it, which to me is a big deal considering how little space there is on the PS5. Uh, and that's EA Sports UFC 4. Whoa, okay. Right, I know. Yep, my number 10 game of the year. Uh, overall, I'm a, um, I'm a begrudging UFC fan, I guess is the best way to put it. <laughs> uh, I like mixed martial arts a lot. The UFC is the easiest mixed martial arts uh, organization to watch because of their deal with ESPN. Uh, there are a lot of things about the UFC I don't like. I really don't like their business practices, how little they pay their fighters, the fact that they treat them as independent contractors that don't provide up health care and all those things between fights. Those are all things I don't like. Uh, the you know the way that they split their revenue with the fighters and how little money they get. Like I have no idea if any fighters get any money from this game. I have no clue, even though their likeness is being used. Yeah. No idea at all. Um, but the game is just really fun. And if you are knowledgeable and have a little bit of um, insight into mixed martial arts, it's a pretty good simulation of figuring out how to tactically fight uh, another person. And it kind of is that chess match, if you would, that you can't go in there on more challenging difficulties. You can on easier ones. But once you, you know, move the difficulty up, if you keep doing the same move, like they're going to counter you. And if you keep trying to... Um, rely on certain combinations or if you try to uh do something your fighter is not skilled at it's not going to go well for you and i really do appreciate the fact that your depth of knowledge of mixed martial arts helps you be better at this game but it's also something you can learn through playing the game uh, which mm. is really nice nice uh, there's a variety of game modes there's a lot of different things you can do in it to keep your entertainment granted going online did not go well for me uh just because i'm <laughs> bad at games uh but overall there's a lot in that package again the you know the microtransactions and monetization of this game are not good the fact that the game started having advertisements in it <laughs> uh if you remember i was talking oh, yeah. about that new story <laughs> back earlier in the year is gross and i'm glad they got rid of those when you're paying full price for this game but overall a really enjoyable romp if you like the you know if you like mma or you like fighting games in general uh, ea sports ufc 4 is a good game in that in that aspect um so i do recommend picking it up and i think if it's not already it'll probably very soon be on ea play um in the vault for people to play so if it's not already so that's my number 10 ea sports ufc 4 Josh, what is your number nine? Uh, my number nine is a game I played on PC, and that game is Gears Tactics. Uh, a game I love. I still love. Um, it's, it's, uh, I don't, it blends two things I like. Tact, like tactics style games like XCOM, 
um, and even Mario X Rabbids uh, Kingdom Battle and Gears of War, and and it makes it stand alone from those games. If they made it feel a lot different than typical um, tactics games, and I really appreciate that. But what I do like, I think tactics games lend themselves to that, right? Every one is a little different from the last, mostly from the theme. Um, like even Mutant Year Zero is a fan, is a fantastic tactics game, um, and they're all a little different from each other. But Gears really, they have a great cinematic story to tell you with it, which you don't always get with the tactics games. Um, it was difficult right away when I started, and you know it progressively got easier when you get more crew. I like that it's fully customizable, and I was able to add all of our. Um, play some video games, friends and and family, uh, and I, you know I, I'm hesitant to try it on console. I know that I can. I, I'm sure it's fine on console, but it's like playing an RTS on a console. Like I had to play Halo Wars on my Xbox. I would have preferred to play it on my computer. Um, so yeah, so Gears Tactics is my number nine. Um, if you listened to this podcast last year, you know I talked a bunch about it. Yeah, absolutely. My number nine is a game that probably isn't even a good game, but I really enjoyed my time with it. And since it's my favorite games of the year list, I am going to put it on there at the number nine Can position. Can I guess? Yeah, go for it. Is it Maneater? It is not Maneater. Okay. <laughs> uh, that's a good guess. For spoilers for my list, Maneater did not get on the top ten. Almost solely because they still have not patched it, so I still don't have the Platinum Trophy. But now you can get the PS5 version. Which the trophies are also glitched on, but in a different way. <laughs> oh, boy. So anyway, so I have a little a little love-hate relationship with Mana right yeah. now. Uh, but I number nine is actually Trials of Mana. Oh. Yes. Uh, the remake of a classic Trials of Mana game uh, that was brought out this year uh for all the good and all of the bad of a classic game, they really didn't change much. They updated some visuals, updated a few tweaks here and there, but for the most part, it has all the good things and not good things of those old classic RPGs that we love and ha- that we love. Yeah, and that's why for me it was such a nice nostalgia trip that I was a kid who loved RPGs and played a ton of them. I don't play as many anymore of the more traditional style RPGs, so Trials of Mana playing this game was really just kind of a walk down memory lane for me. The visuals were great. The audio, as far as like music and stuff goes, was wonderful. The combat, though not super complicated, was really fun. It was a very cliche story that still was like, yeah, let's go save the world. This is awesome. Like All of those things that I really just used to adore about RPGs kind of wrapped up into a package that was easy for you to get through in the sense of it didn't take hundreds of hours to get done. Now, there are some problems with this game. The voice acting is not good overall. Overall, I would even say the voice acting is bad. Uh, the AI of your of your teammates, uh, of your party mates, is atrocious. You know, they the game has that very telltale, like, hey, here's this red area that is going to, like, be affected by this next attack from the enemy. Let's run into it. Let's yeah. do that. Like, that's what your AI is doing. Like, it's really, really rough. So you're spending a, a more time than you should actually, like, reviving your teammates that were controlled by the AI. So there are definitely some things that are challenging to it. Uh, but overall, I just had a lot of fun with it. I do still want to go back and platinum the game. I haven't done that yet. Uh, but I did start a second playthrough, which is kind of unheard of for me in this type of game. 
So overall, just had a lot of fun with it. Trials of Mana, my number nine game for 2020. Was that the game Josh, you had? Number eight. Was that the game you had 70 hours in, or is that a different game? No, that's a different okay. game. Still to be coming. Okay, so your number nine was an RPG. Uh, my yeah. number eight is an RPG. Ooh. Yeah, and I also had issues with uh, computer characters just standing still, actually, in battle, which was very frustrating. <laughs> I think I might know what this is. What do you think it is? I don't want to spoil it, though, if I'm wrong, because it might be higher on your list. Oh, then don't say it. Okay. Uh, my number yeah. eight is Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition. Wow, you are right. I am surprised. <laughs> <laughs> this is not what I was This guessing. is my second Switch game on my list. Um, I, I've been eyeing Xenoblade Chronicles all year. Um, more specifically, Xenoblade Chronicles 2. Uh, and there was a point where it was on sale and I didn't jump because someone convinced me I should play the definitive edition because the story does. Like I was told the story doesn't cross over and then I was told it does. So I was like, well, I think I'll side on the person who said it does. And I'd rather them be wrong than me jump into a sequel <laughs> and miss all the story. Uh, so I jumped on this. In fact, this is a recent edition. I didn't get it. Uh, more than a couple weeks ago. I was going to say, we have never talked about you playing yeah. this game. And um, it's been a bit since I played an RPG. I love this game. In fact, it could have been higher on my list if I played more. Um, the story is, is good so far. Uh, I keep, I, and now I'm in my head, I hear myself saying, uh, and um, so I'm going to do my best to, to stop that. The the characters are very good. That mostly it's almost all voice acted, almost, which is unheard of for RPGs. At least RPGs I play. Uh, there we go again. So <laughs> I'm gonna just start taking pregnant pauses. Also, the combat is something that takes some time to get used to. It really took me like two hours to get used to the combat. I haven't played a RPG with combat like this. It, it kind of takes. From I I haven't played Final Fantasy twelve, not the multi, not the online one, twelve, the first one that wasn't online, that changed the combat system, where it's like the free roaming combat. It's not quite like Final Fantasy seven remake. It's more its own beast. But you have like this. They have these thing called arts, I believe. And I'm gonna I'm sorry if I'm wrong to Xenoblade fans, but you have this bar and it's one bar where you're adding arts for your like magic abilities if you need to like to like make it generic then there's a second bar if you go up and it you can i think fit like 10 things on each bar so like like right away you go up to your sword and then they have sword arts and you can have like up to 10 on there maybe 12 so you have so many different things to choose from while you're trying to like freely move through the battle area and multiple bad guys can show up. They don't take it easy on you. You can certainly walk into areas where you're underpowered. And, you know, it's what if if you're not saving your game, uh, that can be a problem because uh, you can start further back than you would prefer. But um, I've probably put in about 16 hours so far. I know that's like piddly time for an RPG, but... Uh, for me, what the time I've had since I got it is a lot of time. So I'm really enjoying it, and it looks really good. I mean, it, it looks great on the Switch, and I imagine I haven't played it docked. I've only played it handheld. So um, I'm having a good time with it, and 
it's scratching my RPG itch that I haven't like uh, had for a while. So uh, I, I give it a pretty high recommendation. Yeah, I tried playing Xenoblade Chronicles 2 when it came out, and I was horrendous at the game. <laughs> I could not wrap my head around it. I was so, so bad at it that I figured I'm just too, I'm not smart enough to play those games. <laughs> <laughs> well, you just put Trials of Mana as number nine. I think you can do it. <laughs> no, Trials of Mana is really straightforward with the combat. You just mm. whack, hit a button to whack things okay, all once. All right. <laughs> That's all you do. Like, it's an action RPG, so... Uh, cool. All right. Uh, that one threw me for a loop, Josh. That is not what I was expecting. Okay. All uh, right. My number eight is a game that was probably about the most fun five hours I've had playing a game in a long time. Hours. Let me look at Josh looks at his list quickly. And it was a oh. game I debated whether or not it should be included on the list. That was my number 10 until we started recording. Oh, really? Yeah. And that is Astro's Playroom. Uh, I put way more than five hours into it, though. <laughs> okay. I put about five hours into it. Uh, this game was just so darn much fun. It is so wholesome. The controls are great. All the different little mechanisms and the way that they teach you to use the dual sense, which in some ways definitely is a quote-unquote gimmick, right? Like, they're trying to get you to learn how to all the things this controller can do. Yeah. But they work really well, and they do it in a way that, is so effective it doesn't feel gimmicky per se even though you recognize that's what they are trying to do uh and the sound design the music in the game everything about it is just so great which brings me to the reason this is so low on my list eight i guess isn't all that low but <laughs> all it made me do was want a full game yeah that's all it did it was just like i really want this to be a full you know 20 hour platforming game it doesn't have to be in vr the vr game is exceptional it's so so good but even just this game, if they had given me a full-fledged campaign and all that, oh, my gosh, that is what I want now. So in some ways, there's that, you know, hey, you leave them wanting more. Yeah. I don't even know that, like, I feel like I just got the appetizer for this game. I didn't even get the full course, you know. So that is a little bit of a negative to me that I just want more of this game. I think a lot of people may have written it off because there's a pack-in. I even saw some people who were really angry that this was pre-installed on their PlayStation 5 and just deleted it without playing it. Yeah. I was like, what are you doing? This game is so cool. Like, why are you doing that? But Astro's Playroom, such a fun, awesome platformer. Great run through PlayStation history if you're nostalgic about PlayStation at all. Uh, and I just had an absolute blast playing it, grinning the entire time. Uh, <laughs> Astro's Playroom was my number eight. I actually had my wife play through almost all of that too, like on her own. Like that that game is very, very good. All right, Josh, your number seven. My number seven is potentially controversial, especially in the spot I put it in. Hey, it's your favorite game of the year, so it doesn't matter. Hey, your favorite it's list. Not my favorite you can put game. It wherever of the you year. want. <laughs> uh, but it is a game that I am uh, still going to go back and play. And, and unfortunately, it's one of those games I lost all my save data for. Uh, and it is Marvel's Avengers. That is my number seven for the year. Now, I 100% hear all the criticisms. In fact, I have contributed to the criticism, especially on their um, character additions. And I know I have to give them some slack with the passing of Chadwick Boseman. They had to change um, their plans for the Black Panther DLC, supposedly. We don't even know that for sure. Um but it's a bold move to do Hawkeye and Hawkeye back to back. So, yeah. Uh, so I'm assuming that wasn't the plan. 
I really love this game for its single player campaign. It is a phenomenal story if you are a comic book Marvel comic book fan. Um, and, and potentially comics themselves. Each character feels wholly unique and similar in a way that you can grasp how to use each character, um, if that makes sense. So you can attack and use your specials. You know how to do these things. But the second, if you start with Hulk like I did, the second you turn to Thor, it's like playing a whole different game. And in each of those games are incredible. The Hulk's game is incredible. Thor's game is incredible. And it only gets better as you level these characters up to higher and higher levels. They get way more powerful. It's way more fun. And the game still manages to manages to throw challenges at you when you're a higher level. The problem with the game, which is why it's not higher, is that it doesn't do a great job at making... Uh, managing the level difficulty. And as soon as you get into the open world bit of the game and you're not playing with friends and you're trying to play solo, you just can't complete certain missions because they're like 70 levels higher than your level. Some of them are are 50, like 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 levels higher. So even the expectation of you getting to do that level that is 70 levels higher than your level because you have friends that are that level, what fun is that for you when it takes you 15 punches to kill a guy that your buddy doesn't want? Like, there's no fun in that to me. Um, I know there's a lot more to do. I think it, I think it's end game suffers from Anthem's regular game. Same style of issue, like the missions you can do, you can't do them by yourself, you need people to do them, and who's doing them? Nobody, because they're all off in their own groups doing raids or shield bunkers or whatever. Um, but the, the the campaign itself, and even the post-campaign with Taskmaster, that's not a spoiler because he's in the game. Um, all that stuff is top-notch writing and gameplay, uh, and I can't wait. I honestly can't wait to go back, replay it just so I can get to Kate Bishop, and by the time I do that, Hawkeye will be out, and probably the character after that. So I'll have even more characters to play. My number seven, Marvel's Avengers. I kind of thought this would show up on your list, but I thought this would be your number 10. Yeah, I think I enjoyed it a lot more than people think. <laughs> no, that's good. That's awesome. I I had a good time with it. I finished the campaign. And the campaign was great. What playing that game did for me was make me really, really wish they had not done any of the co-op stuff and just had made a twice- as long campaign but we also didn't play with each other i think if we played together we would have had a lot of fun that's true that is very true well you'll have to let me know when you get back to it maybe we can play together then yeah you can help me start from scratch <laughs> yeah i'll have to, I'll have to download the game again here as well and, and do that so all right josh so my number seven is a game i've talked about very briefly on the podcast before but said i wasn't really liking it i am now over 70 hours into it okay can i guess yes is it 13 Aegis Rim? G- no, no, it's <laughs> not 13 Sentinels Aegis Rim. Surprise, that's on my honorable mentions. Okay. Only because I haven't finished the game. I can't. Yet. Oh, I first. know what it is. All right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla is my number seven game of the year. I really liked the previous two Assassin's Creed's of the, since the transformation of Assassin's Creed, if you would. But I finished Origins. I never finished Odyssey just because I got so caught up in doing other things that I never actually got around to finishing it. 
So Assassin's Creed Valhalla, when I started it, I really wasn't enjoying it, but for some reason I always had this nag to go back to it and keep playing. So I just kept playing, and I just kept playing, and I just kept playing. And now, like I said, I am probably 75 hours into the game. My character is level 280. <laughs> uh, and I probably have about 15 hours left before I finish the campaign because I keep going doing all the side stuff. There are definitely problems with this game. There are some weird glitches sometimes. Nothing that has been game-breaking. I haven't lost any progress. Right now, there's a glitch in the game that anytime you like load up your save, so if you actually quit the game and go back in, uh, your character is intoxicated. Uh, yeah, I've uh, I've seen a lot of people have that problem. Yeah, it's like pr- I think it's universal. I think every it happens to everyone. That's not good. Uh, it is, it's kind <laughs> of annoying, but it takes you know two minutes and then that goes away. But so there's weird little things like that that happen. But outside of that, for the size of this game is I've had surprisingly few issues. Um, the world is pretty cool. There are some fun surprises that happen throughout the game that I'm not going to spoil for everyone, anyone who might want to go into it. But just think about like England and about Vikings, and you might be able to draw some conclusions about what might be a fun surprise that you get to do or explore or, or see in the game. And I overall, I I just keep when I sit down to play video games, this is the game that keeps calling to me. I have multiple games on my list of games I was hoping to play prior to doing this list because I've heard good things about them or I'm interested in them and I thought they might get on this list, but instead I've just been sinking 70 hours into Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I'm now at the point where I would like the game to be done. Like I I, I kind of am looking for a conclusion at this point and I think I'm getting close-ish. Like I said, I would guess 10 to 15 hours just based off of you know how many regions I have left to try to go conquer. But yeah, overall, I'm really liking this game it surprised me i didn't think it was going to be something that was going to uh take so much time away from other games like it has uh but because of the pacing a little bit because of the glitches all that stuff that's why it's not higher on my list because there are some you know some roughness around the edges but overall really enjoying it that's why it's number seven on my list assassin's creed valhalla josh what is your number six was i muted while i was doing all those keystrokes you were muted during all those keystrokes. Okay, because I get worried. I'm keeping track of your list too, but I'm starting at seven because I forgot to do it earlier when I wanted to. <laughs> ah, hey, Spellcheck for Valhalla. Thank you. My number six is a game you probably also expect to be higher on my list, and that's Spider-Man Miles Morales. Uh, this is a fantastic... Spider-Man game. I don't want to demean it by saying expansion or standalone DLC, but it kind of does have that feel to it a little bit. But what I really do like is it tells a it tells a great story. It is uh, engaging. It makes you feel um, like you're playing a different character than Peter Parker, which I think is really important for that game to do. Uh, I really regret not playing it in one twenty the whole time. <laughs> like after you, after we discovered how that plays, uh, I'm sorry, performance mode. Sixty. Perf- uh, yeah, perform. Well, for me, one twenty. Oh, okay. Sorry. Well, you know, some of us don't have fancy TVs. <laughs> yeah. So I I played it. I didn't play it in performance mode. I played it in. No, wait. What did I? Pl- no, I didn't play it in resolution mode. I played it in performance mode. What's the one you told me to change it to? <laughs> I told you to change it to the higher frame rate one. Yeah. So whichever it's called, I always confuse. I played it rate. in the other one. <laughs> and it was still great, but like changing it to 
this other version has just been incredible. And um, I just, I really, like, they did, they fleshed the character out fully. It felt really good. And it, it really made me want a full Miles game. But I also feel like I got a full game. I don't want to, like, like I said, I don't want to demean the game by saying it wasn't a full game. Because I was also, with all these games we had to play, I was also happy that the game was as short as it was. Um, but, you know, when you're looking at, like, a new console launch and a game that's, like, kind of the flagship for the launch, kind of sort of unofficially, you kind of want that full release of the game. And, and it was it was good. Um I mean, it's still made number six. That's pretty solid, I think. So, uh, Miles Morales, if you have a PS5, I mean, this is a game you have to play. And that's that's a demand from me. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, my number six is a game that surprised me. It was a game that was not on my radar and then suddenly splashed onto my radar. And I picked up and was pleasantly surprised by how good it was. And a, a game that I'm still playing from time to time. That is Sackboy, A Big Adventure. Hey, Sackboy. So this is my number <laughs> six. So number one, the audio. This game does everything a 3D platformer should well. The audio is great. The controls are good. The visuals are pretty striking. Like, realistically, this package on the PlayStation 5 is awesome. I've played the entire game co-op so far with my partner. Um, we have finished the campaign. We have gotten to, uh, I mean, I don't think this is really spoilers. It's a, it's a platformer. I've gotten to the secret world that exists after, you know, you finish the campaign. Uh, and now it's kind of going back and doing that cleanup because to unlock some of them, you do have to do the speed runs and all the other different levels that kind of exist. There are a huge variety of levels. There are some levels you can only do co-op. Uh, there's a lot of cool things that are happening in this game. And in some ways, this game has is better than it has any right to be. Like, I don't know that anyone thought this game was going to be as good as it is. Now, with that being said, there are some things about the game that are super annoying to me. Number one, platformers with lives still, come on. Like, why are we having <laughs> lives as a, as a thing in our platformers? That, to me, a little bit annoying. Especially since there's all these collectibles that you're supposed to be getting, and you're henceforth, you're supposed to be replaying these levels a whole bunch anyway. I feel like that kind of already... There's already reasons to replay it. Like having you die off and having to restart doesn't make a ton of sense because there's so many reasons to replay all the levels. Uh, the trophy list is really, really hard. And that's kind of a bummer to me because this seems like a game that should be like a family fun game that you can sit down, and play with kids, do all this good stuff. Uh, but if you were trying to be like a trophy hunter, this is a really hard trophy list. It's going to be very challenging for you to do. And some of the things you have to do co-op for the trophy list, which is in and of itself also very challenging. <laughs> And that to me comes to like final like bad about this game is just the balance. There are some levels that are just ridiculously hard compared to the rest of the game. Now there's only a couple of those, but when you get to them, they stand out significantly about how much harder they are uh, than the rest of the levels in the game. That doesn't mean you can't finish them. That doesn't mean you're not going to be able to get through them. It just means if you're trying to be more of a completionist, get all the orbs, get the aces, get the high scores on all the levels. There's a few levels that are just way more challenging to do that on. And it's randomly like in the middle of a, of a world. It's not like the end levels necessarily that are always the ones that are super, super hard. Uh, but overall, 
really enjoying my time with it. Like I said, still playing this game pretty regularly. Have, I think, 25 hours into it right now. Um, and if you like platformers, if you're looking for something that's a pretty good co-op experience, Sackboy, A Big Adventure, easy recommend, and my number six favorite game of the year. Nice. Josh, your number five. My number five is Final Fantasy VII Remake. Uh, this is a game that I loved. I put so many, so many hours into it. Uh, it really took this story from Final Fantasy VII that I loved and made it its own thing. Uh, every, I, I think the whole like part one added this weird stigma to it where people expected it not to be a full game or whatever. Uh, really, this is a full game with a a soap opera-esque ending that doesn't even necessarily need to be followed up on. It might not ever. Uh, <laughs> but everything about the game was great. The, it looked incredible. The combat was great. And it really redefined Final Fantasy VII's combat while somehow like staying true to that original game of turn-based combat. The voice acting was fun. It wasn't great, but it wasn't terrible. Uh, it was just like typical like Final Fantasy VII, cheeky, uh, jokey uh, RPG talk. I guess that's typical for RPGs. Um, I really enjoyed it uh, so much. And I acknowledge it gets a nostalgia bump for sure for me, but I still think... Uh, it is a game. It is a game that made me run up ninety nine flights of stairs when I could have taken the elevator. It will always be <laughs> that game to me. <laughs> <laughs> awesome! And that was your number five, Final Fantasy VII remake. Correct. Sorry, I should be doing uh, my, my spelling five... bee responses. <laughs> number five. <laughs> yeah, my number five is a game that Josh just talked about, and that's Spider Man Miles Morales. Hey. So I have everything that Josh said that was great. I agree a hundred percent. You know, the, the combat is good. The visuals are striking playing the game in high frame rate really shows you and helps you understand the difference between playing a game at 30 and playing a game at 60 or higher, depending. <laughs> uh, and for me, I really enjoyed the length when I was playing it through the first time doing all the side activities, plus the story for me, it was a good length of a game as far as having this bite-sized story with a character that you really like and it, it just ha the game has so much heart uh i talked about how i cried when the game ended yeah. like there there was just this earnestness to this game the reason it's here though with all that being said on my list is that i played it i really enjoyed it obviously i cried at the end uh i really haven't thought about it since then until i started putting this list together oh. and i was like this game just has not stuck with me the way the other games on this list have, and especially the games above this on this list. Sure. So that's kind of really the differentiator here. The game is great. And when I think about it, I really reminisce extremely positively about my time with Spider-Man Miles Morales. I had a blast playing it, played through it very quickly. Obviously played through it a second time to get the platinum trophy, like had a ton of fun with this game, but it's not something that I'm, I have thought about really since I kind of moved on to my next game. Whereas every other game on this list is a game that I have thought about since I stopped playing it and still think about to this day. Um, and that's kind of why they put themselves a little bit higher. So Miles Morales, my number five. Josh, what is your number four? Hey, I agree with you. Every game from now on, I consist, I constantly, consistently and constantly think about. <laughs> um... My number four is The Last of Us Part Two. Uh, the Last of Us Part Two is a game that I walked into not playing the first one. Actually, played a little bit of the first one and just did not enjoy 
it because by the time I played it, it felt dated to me. I hear the arguments. It does definitely still look good for people playing the remastered edition, but uh, you cannot tell me it's not slow and clunky. And if you do, then we just have to disagree. I tried playing it a couple times. It's slow and clunky. So I was hesitant to jump into Last of Us Part 2. In fact, I only played it because we're GameShare friends and you got you got it on PlayStation. And I think I was hooked immediately. And it's not slow and clunky. It is deliberate. And that is the difference to me between The Last of Us and The Last of Us Part 2. Uh, it's a decision that was made where I feel like for the first one it was a limitation. And I could be totally wrong, but that's just how I interpreted it. I I have watched playthroughs of the first one. I love the story. So I was definitely in on the story a little bit, just not to the level where I think all these very passionate, uh, good and unfortunately bad fans came from. But what I really enjoyed from the story is like this duality between um, Abby and Ellie, you know, and it's kind of like playing the, a mirror of, of a game. Like you're, you're experiencing the same things. Some people come in with more emotional baggage, so it's it's a little different for them. But for me, I think I was able to see the simil- more the similarities than the differences, and I think that made it more of an interesting game to me. But also, I think this emotional baggage that all these gamers who respectfully comment on the game, bringing that into this also made that game better for me um, because I, I was able to take my experience and like really listen to how other people thought and felt. And I still think to this day it lends even in our discord conversations about good guys and bad guys, who is what, how are you defined by that and what your decisions um, do matter. And I still think there's no good guys in the last of us part two. Everyone's a little bit of a bad guy. Um, but you do what you do. Just you do what you have to just to survive, and that's the point of this story. Uh, I will always talk about the Last of Us Part Two. I think until the Last of Us Part Three, if it ever comes out, comes out or the TV show. But I really think um, seeing like Laura Bailey win at the Game Awards, and I know people say like, "Oh, it's a hollow win. Game Awards are rigged." Like I, like I hear you, but she also won a bunch of other awards, so. I think what she did with that character of Abby was so incredible, and I just, I kind of just love that game. Just not as much as my top three. <laughs> Makes sense. Uh, that's a great pick for number four. Uh, my number four, I was like chasing you for a little bit here. Uh, my number four is Final Fantasy VII Remake. Oh, close. Yeah, very close. So I was someone who played the original Final Fantasy VII, but. I don't know how other people remember things as effectively as they do, because my goodness, do I vaguely remember having a guy with a lot of pointy edges on his body running around on a stuff. Like, I kind of remember these things. His spiky right? hair and his spiky elbows. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> I, I have vague recollections of playing these games. And that's the way it is for most of my games from when I'm younger. But people who really have this, like, deep-seated nostalgia for Final Fantasy VII, I did not have. 
Uh, I I played it, but like, we don't like, remember it as pointy that... shoulders, Kyle. It was top notch graphics at the time, <laughs> <laughs> right? It, it's true, it was. But so yeah, so I came in maybe looking forward to, but not as excited as some people were for Final Fantasy VII Remake, and the game completely won me over. Uh, I love the combat system. I I really enjoy how they implemented that uh, and your ability to and the upgrades. Though the upgrades were a little weird because I kind of feel like. You got into a build that was best for you, and any time you got weapons after that, like you could never really get them to as good as what you already had. Yeah, yeah. Because you kind of had already started playing in a certain way based off your materia and what you were using. Maybe you could, but maybe I just didn't invest enough time into it. But the combat was really fun. The audio and the sound design for the game was exceptional. Uh, and the characters, they really helped you connect with these characters, both the ones that had been the important ones of the past as well as the characters who had kind of been, I don't want to say throwaway, but definitely not as important um, by really fleshing out this first area, by, you know, giving you some more substance to all of these people. Now, with that being said, this game has some problems. Uh, <laughs> the side quests are not good. In general, the side quests in this game are just not good. Uh, some of the chapters drag, especially those that have a number of side quests in them. Like, those chapters get very long, and I really was like, hey, could I just kind of, you know this main story please like can i really go do this uh and just kind of the design and layout of things it, it very was old school very tunnel very narrow tunnel like run along this really long thing yes to get there to have to turn around and run all the way back down this really long thing there were problems but overall just the experience of playing it <laughs> the way i felt about the characters the connections you know the twists and turns that happened in the story that i had forgotten about and having feelings about those things that they brought out in me I just had a really good, great time with it. I've thought about going and replaying it again. Like that's how much I've enjoyed it. Obviously, who knows when we're gonna get the next one in this game, in this series. Uh, but especially, knock on wood, if whenever this game comes out on Xbox, which should be like an April-ish, um, if it does get some upgrades potentially for next gen, I do think that is a time I would jump back in um, to kind of give this another romp through. Maybe. Not do all the side quests this time. Uh, but yeah, Final Fantasy VII Remake. Really, really enjoyed it. So it's my number four. Nice. Josh, you're number three. My number three <laughs> is Cyberpunk 2077. Uh, a game I have completed. Uh, a game I have played on Xbox Series X. I should say that right now. <laughs> I don't recommend, based on what I've seen, that you play it anywhere else but PC or Stadia. <laughs> Uh, even with the Xbox, I had my fair share of issues, but nothing to the extent of, um, uh, like I'm the type of person who will give up on a game for just the standard glitches that you see. Uh, so I think that says one, it speaks to the la the amount of glitches I got on the series X and two, how much I enjoyed the game. <laughs> so I think that's important to note. Uh, I would play again, but I am now holding out for the maybe next-gen release of this game for patches, but everything about this game I loved. It could have been number one if there weren't so many glitches. <laughs> um, <laughs> but for me, it's it's it was more annoyances. Only once did it crash, like legit crash, where I had to restart my xbox and that's frustrating especially with a new console right but the few times where i've had some like glitches like one time i was just always stuck in crouch 
even when I stood up, I would still be crouching. And also, if you hit on the Xbox B to crouch, it also B skips conversation. So I'd be trying to uncrouch and just skip a whole dialogue tree. <laughs> so I would, but the load times are so quick, I literally would just load the autosave. And it would put me right back right before I started. However, I did save in this game more than I ever save in any game ever. Um, just to be safe. And it's definitely come in handy a few times. Um, and there's definitely been times where I've had to travel a great distance-ish to get somewhere where there wasn't like a fast travel because I didn't save it uh, quickly. It really marries my love of Deus Ex as far as um, first-person options, like as far as technology and hacking and or combat, with my love of the uh, Mass Effect 2 crew missions. So there's so much character building in this game where every, like, every time you do a, a mission for somebody, it really feels like they're, they were called loyalty missions, I think, in Mass Effect 2. It really feels like the loyalty missions from Mass Effect 2. Um, there's so many side quests. I did not do them all my first playthrough, and, and my intention is to do them all when I play through again. I started I started the game as a nomad, so naturally I did... Um, I fully fleshed out one of the nomad characters, um, Pan Am, and I fully fleshed out Judy, which is the girl you see in all of the... Uh, trailers, the tattoo girl with her red hair, uh, sorry, green hair. And I did a few other things without spoiling the game, but I, I at least completed those two as far as like how I compare like the Mass Effect style. The, it looks beautiful. I, I never ran into any issues graphically. I didn't run into uh, cars falling to the ground or things falling from the sky. I didn't run into those, which I'm, I'm very thankful for. Every part of my experience with that game was beautiful. It ran and looked so good, and I had it in performance mode. So, like, it was intended to play that way. Combat was... Combat felt good, not great, but you could tell this was a game not designed around the combat, but designed around the characters in the world. And the world is just a sight to behold. Honestly, um, I debated... I, I just couldn't put it higher on my list because of my top two games. Otherwise, um, it was so close. But I, I have to I have to hold them accountable for something. And they probably <laughs> don't even deserve to be <laughs> on number three. But I really enjoyed that game so much. I can't wait to go back to it. And I keep holding myself back from starting another character because I want to get... I want to get the version of the game they wanted me to play, and I don't know who to blame at CD Projekt Red, so I'm going to hold my judgment. <laughs> yeah, so not to spoil anything, but CD Pro- Cyberpunk is not on my list because uh, I haven't played it yet. Yeah, uh, I figured. <laughs> be- because I don't have a next-gen Xbox, and <laughs> I wasn't going to play it, and then you know PlayStation delisted it. So <laughs> Yeah, I don't blame you at all. I would tell you not to yeah. play it on the Xbox one. Yeah. yeah so-, so my number three... Cyberpunk 2077. But I'm glad you enjoyed it. That's awesome. Uh, my number three is a game that in any other year, and actually, honestly, in any other week or any other day, it might be higher on my list than it is right now. 
Um, and I know it's definitely higher on Josh's list, and that is Hades. Oh, let's come back next week. Maybe it'll be higher on your list. <laughs> Maybe it will be higher <laughs> on my list. And the hard part about it is that I have nothing bad to say about this game at all. There's nothing about this game that uh, is not amazing. It is an expertly crafted game. The visuals are amazing. The sound is exceptional. The combat is great. But for whatever reason, when I sit down to say what game I'm, uh, if I had to sit down to say what of these three games am I going to play between this and my other two games that are in my top, this is the game that least often came out on top, if that makes sense. So I, I don't have anything bad to say about it. I, I think it is a, a exceptional game in a genre that I enjoy. It's just that these other two games for me were extremely, extremely special. Um, one of them might potentially be one of my favorite like top 10 of all time games. Uh, and that's just hard to compete against when you're just, you know, a top 20 of all time game. Sure. So, I get you. You know. Uh, so that's – and I know Josh will talk about it more later because he's already spoiled what his number one is on social media did weeks I? ago. <laughs> you did. So Hades, my number three. If you haven't played it, you should totally play it. Josh, what is your number two? No way. I spoiled my number one. My number two <laughs> – uh, is Ghost of Tsushima, or Tsushima, or as Jeff Keighley says, Tsushima. <laughs> uh, yes, this is a game, uh, my friend doesn't listen to this podcast, so I can say he, I got him on a swap, and I, I knew he wouldn't buy this without someone buying it for him, so this is part of his gift. Um, it's just an incredible game, and it speaks to me with its samurai theme and it's in and i grew up i don't say grew up my teen years or heavily uh martial arts focused and it really like makes me want to relive those years and if you just even ignore that if you you could just give this game a number one or number two based on how sucker punch handled a new style of game for them and how they really just knocked it out of the park. And then you could even extrapolate more and give them this award just for the loading times of this game. Pre (laughs) next generation. This game loads. This is my experience. It goes to Tsushima. Okay. All right. I just did this thing. Okay, cool. Loading. I'm going to check my Instagram. Oh, oh, the game is back. Put my phone back down. I didn't even (laughs) open Instagram yet. Uh, it's just so fast and it's so seamless. It really does a great job. I think what people don't give this game credit for is we talk about um, how fast the load times are. It never breaks the illusion of story. You're always in this game. There's no, like the load time is seconds. You're not, like you don't forget what you're doing. You know where you're going. Things happen in this game that are devastating. And I think that that is helped by the lack of load times where you're not opening Instagram and forgetting what just happened or your mind's not escaping that moment. You're still going, I wonder what's going to happen next. And then like, oh my God, this happened. And then, oh my God, this is still happening. It's just so seamless. It's like watching a film. It's, you're, you know, it's, imagine Uncharted 4 without load times. It's like a seamless story where you're never really separated from it. And, it it doesn't hurt that it's beautiful and the combat is f- phenomenal and the voice acting is incredible. There's so many good things to say about this game. I love it to death. Any other year, easy number one. 
easy number one. In the past five years of games, this would easily be my number one game. Unfortunately, I found a better one. Uh, but I, I, this was something we talked about a few months ago. Uh, this has been my number one and my number two as many times. It's just gone back and forth, and I really had a hard time um, choosing the, uh, at one point, and, and I hope to to let you understand why when I talk about my number one, that this is my number two, uh, Ghost of Tsushima. Or Tsushima. My number two. Or Tsushima. <laughs> or or Tsushima. Uh, my number two uh, is a little game that you've probably heard about because Josh just talked about it, and that's Ghost of Tsushima. This game almost was my number one, and I had written multiple lists where this was my number one, but it ended up being my number two. And I echo everything Josh had to say about it. The game is incredible on many levels. And to top it all off, a couple months after release, they, for free, yeah. add on a stellar, <laughs> stellar multiplayer mode to it. We had so much fun with that. We did. It was amazing. It was such a well-done, just cool addition that no one saw coming and was just exceptional. I, I, I had, again... I really don't have much bad I can say about it. I know that there are some people who say that this game doesn't do anything new per se. And that's I, I don't necessarily know that I have a strong definitive counter argument to that. But I also don't think it had to. Like it did the things it did really well. It did take things from other games and put them into an open world game. Uh but I think it did it really, really well. And this game <laughs> has such an impact on me this is kind of humorous that when i am playing assassin's creed valhalla part of the game is like hunting yeah i will not kill the foxes <laughs> i specifically <laughs> avoid killing every fox yeah. in assassin's creed valhalla i've not killed one i've killed basically every other creature in that game but i've not killed one fox i won't do it <laughs> because of the impact that ghost of Tsushima had on me uh so this is really sucker punch coming, you know, stepping up and showing what they're capable of. And I, I think most signs point to a sequel being on the horizon for them. What they were able to do technically, like you talked about, those load times are ridiculous. Um, having a 60 frame per second mode now in next gen is awesome. It just uh, this game is so good. The way it tells story, having that main quest plus very beefy side quests that you go on that like slowly add new layers to the story of what's happening. Just Really coolly done. The island, like the distinct parts of it, having very different feels as you go through it, and having the end of the story be like a really decisive moment where you need to make a decision. And I think that's very cool. We don't see that very often in games. Um, and I, I think it's awesome. So Ghost of Tsushima, my number two game of 2020. Josh, why don't you tell all the good people about your number one game and why it's your number one game and why it's so stinking good. <laughs> so my number one game is Hades. I know. Shocker. Uh, maybe it is a shock to some people. Maybe you don't know about this game. Because if you don't have Switch or PC, you haven't played this game. And that's a bummer to me that yeah. you don't have access to this game. Um, Hades is... Uh, is is Metroidvania, I guess, if you have to belittle it to that style of game it's if you play dead cells it, it is similar to for me it just it it broke that mold i'm like i i like celeste i like i like dead cells this is a whole new level 
Uh, I think adding Greek mythology helps because it's something I really enjoy and something I've always been interested in since grade school, middle school. Um, the voice acting, incredible. The music, more than incredible. The gameplay, the best. Uh, I really enjoy it. This is a game, however, where you are intended to lose constantly. So I'm currently at 55 escape attempts. Um, I should have pulled it up. I'm so overjoyed that I was able to link my Switch and my Steam account, and now I have my game save from my Switch on my PC, where the game looks remarkably better. Uh, <laughs> uh, getting used to the Xbox controller is a challenge, though, so I'll probably still play it on the Switch more often. Uh, Hades is a game where I had to beat it once and find out it wasn't a true ending, and then I had to beat it ten more times to get to the true ending to just to realize there's still more. Even after the true ending, this is a game that keeps giving. A $20 game that has given me more content than a $70, $80, $90 game purchase. I don't ever feel bored going back into playing. I always feel challenged, I think, which is important. Um, and I'm always trying to get more of Zagreus's story. Zagreus is the protagonist in this game. You're the son of Hades, not Hades himself. And it is a story of uh, teenage angst, even though you're not necessarily a teenager, of rebellion, of searching for answers, and uh, about reuniting people and having this like it's so bizarre right because you're really playing into this greek mythology where all these gods love each other and all these demigods love each other but you happen to be in hell and why does hell have to be hell like is there joy in hell and i think that's part of the story is there um like hades wants zagreus to be obedient and contempt in 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 hell and he doesn't want to be and why does he have to be and it really fleshes out this story there's funny there's funny things there's emotional things i i I still say like one of my favorite game soundtracks of all time and and the girl that they have sing a couple of these songs i don't know where she came from uh she's my incredible she really blows me away I I still I almost played Hades tonight and I looked and it was 7:40 and I go I don't have enough time before we start playing to do another run but I wanted to. I can't see myself putting this down for a long time because I'm still finding new story. It's incredible. I'm more shocked that this game grasped my like this much love for me than anyone could tell me and you better believe when this if this ever comes out on playstation 5 or 4 or xbox i will find a way just to gift this game like i did with the horizon zero dawn i will guilt everyone i know into at least trying this game because i just love it so much and i don't think i've loved the game this much since horizon zero dawn Awesome. Yeah, it's a great game. Like I said, I I have nothing bad to say about it. <laughs> it's, it's an exceptional game for sure. 
Uh, my number one, then, I think is probably no surprise based off of the other games I have already talked about. It would about. be so crazy um, if this wasn't on your list. <laughs> oh, uh, my number one is Predator Hunting. Yeah. No. Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> my I, just, one is, I just left the room. <laughs> <laughs> is The Last of Us Part Two, And I have to say, this was a struggle because I, when I was trying to figure out this list and, and make the final decisions and really think about what game you know was my favorite experience that i had this year despite the stress and sometimes challenge of it all my favorite experience still was playing through the last of us part two and it's a little bit too long i think the leaks definitely hurt it you know it's definitely not a quote-unquote perfect game but what everything Everything that was put together by Naughty Dog into this package, I think, is exceptional. The graphics, the sound, really making this game look the way it does on PlayStation 4, to me, is something very, very special. And the story that is told, I know some people absolutely hate it, but that's something that I absolutely love about it, is that if the story had been 100% what was expected, or... If the story had been safe, I don't know that I would have liked this game as much. I'm not saying the story is perfect. I'm not even saying I really necessarily like exactly the way the story played out. But I do appreciate, and I like this in all media, when they take a big swing. When they say, this is a story we want to tell. And sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't. And while I will always give people props for taking the big swing, if it doesn't work out, I'm going to say it didn't work out. But in this case, it did work out for me. I recognize it's not going to work out for others, but I think, like I said, that's an important thing when it comes to media is divisiveness and having a difference of opinion on how you feel about something is okay. And it's cool that some of you might hate that this game. That's fine. I'm sorry you didn't have the same experience with it that I did because I had a really, I think thoughtful and wonderful experience while playing the game but when i think about the stress sometimes that i felt and everything that i went through in playing that game it really was a seminal experience for me in playing video games and right now when i think about the games that i want to revisit the games that i want to play again the games i want to invest additional time in and find all the little nuances that are being told there the Last of Us Part Two is the game that populates the top of that list for me, and I think there is something to be said that they had a ton of money, right? Their budget was huge. They were able to spend the time they needed to on everything, and they just had a budget that was ridiculous, and that, you know, quote-unquote, any studio would be able to do it if they had this much time and money. Well, I think purely we have seen that's not true, right. because there are other <laughs> studios that have just as much time and just as much money and still don't produce the things that Naughty Dog produces. So, for me... Like I said, I, my top three, honestly, if next week might be in a different order. But when I made this list, for me, The Last of Us Part Two was really just the one that bubbled to the top because of how impactful and meaningful that experience was. Um, at a time when I said I probably was never going to replay it, but now here I am six months later, really itching to replay it. So that, for me, is my number one game of 2020. Would you Would you replay it? Will you play it again? Yeah, I think I'm going to. Uh, depending on how things go, I have a pretty big backlog of things I actually want to actively play, the things that I'm kind of chomping at the bit to get to. Yeah. Um, so depending on how that goes, I do – there's nothing – I don't think there's anything coming out before mid-March 
Uh, well, Outriders comes out in February. Shoot. Maybe. We'll see, I guess. <laughs> I really do want to play it again, uh, but we'll see if I get to it or not because I do want to have – I am kind of focused on having new experiences right now, so we'll see what happens there. But I do want to replay it for sure. Uh, okay. So we talked about very briefly honorable mentions, and I know, Josh, you said you had a whole bunch. Let's not go too in-depth, but do you just want to shoot out all the honorable mentions that you have on your list? Yeah, yeah. We don't have to go into too much depth. Uh, I have Call of Duty Cold Wars on there. Uh, Astro's Playroom was my number 11, essentially, between Animal Crossing and that. Uh, Predator Hunting Ground makes Hunting Grounds makes my list. We had such a fun time playing that. We did. Uh, it, was great. it would be a shame for me to discredit it. Uh, Streets of Rage 4, I played on the PC with Lucas from Voxapose and PSVG Prime. I really enjoyed it. Very short game, but really like scratches that old school beat-em-up itch. Mania, which I'm actually excited to check it out on the PS5, um, see what they improved. Uh, was it was a stupid fun game uh, for what it was. Uh, Minecraft Dungeons I had some fun with. Uh, you know, the uh, Diablo light of games that I get to play with you a bunch, this, a bunch, a few times this year. Uh, Fall Guys, I mean, I, f- I would have felt guilty putting it in my top 10, but I was like, I, I really enjoy Fall Guys a lot. Uh, PGA Tour 2K21 was a lot of fun until everyone in PSVG stopped playing and I didn't have any reason <laughs> to play it anymore. Uh, Wasteland 3, fantastic. Uh, also tactics style game, XCOM style game. Uh, Spellbreak, I had a blast playing with you, no pun intended. NHL 21, really good, having a, a lot of fun playing that currently. Uh, I just haven't put in enough time to to have it make the list. Uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, I played it a bit, not enough to put it on the list, but um, I think that's going to be the game I start next. Uh, Godfall is also on my short list, on my long short list. Uh, really enjoy that too. Really want to play some co-op with you or Devin or somebody to see how that game plays out that way. Uh, Sackboy is on there. I'm really enjoying playing that with my wife. Um, we just, you know, we don't play games or board games a lot, so we have to pick between the two. So we played it a few times. Uh, Immortals, Phoenix Rising. I really enjoy it. I hate the dialogue, uh, and I hate the ridiculously comical way they're portraying the gods and that's just me being uh, a mythology geek uh, I really hate that part which takes me out of the game but otherwise I like the game and I'm still playing it uh, Spirit of the North Enhanced Edition is a game that could have made my top 10 if I played it but I watched my wife play it um, and I loved watching her play it and I think I think if I did play through it it would have been on my top 10 because of how cool and fun it was to watch her play and then last but not least, uh, Root, R-O-O-T, the board game on Steam. I have recently started playing it. I am blown away at the pro- how the production of this board game um, into a video game. It is top notch. Uh, it's probably the best board game adaptation to digital that I've ever played of any game ever. It is so well done. And Root itself is such a crazy, complicated game. They really do a good job at teaching you how to play. I literally just played the role of a pacifist uh, group right before we started recording. And I was like, what am I supposed to, like, <laughs> what am I supposed to do here? <laughs> so that was challenging. I have one more one more group, um, not including the expansion, which I didn't get, but one more main, 
base group to play and and then I'll have all the all the um factions down. Man, they really knocked it out of the park with this adaptation. Uh it kind of makes me not want to play the physical board game because this helps me not make mistakes. But it is really um f- so good. If you have Steam and your computer can run Root, this is an absolute must get. Awesome. Uh, my honorable mention list is pretty short. Uh, number one on the honorable mentions is 13 Sentinels Aegis Rim. Uh, the only reason that game isn't potentially in my top 10 is because I haven't finished it yet. And since it is such a story-driven game, uh, really the reason for playing it is 100% the story. I don't know if suddenly it's going to end in a way that I'm not going to appreciate. So it wouldn't make the top 10 if that makes sense. So uh, for me, that's the only reason right now that it isn't in there. If I went based off of just what I have played, it would be on my top 10. But just like I said, since it is so story driven, I I, I want to complete that before I would like recommend the game. Uh, Minecraft Dungeons, we had a great time playing it. I really enjoyed it. Had a lot of fun with that. Uh, Moving Out, which was a little Mm. co-op game I played with my partner. Had a great time playing that this year. Really, really fun. Um, And kind of in that... Uh, overcooked vein, but looking at moving furniture instead. Uh, Predator Hunting Grounds, I know, is kind of a punchline because of like the review scores of that game. But yeah, we had a great time playing it. It was a lot of fun, and it's something that is... Obviously, we haven't played in a while. It's definitely fallen off, but I had fun playing it when we were playing it. It was great. And then uh, my final honorable mention is Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War. Uh, I liked it. It was fun. I always enjoy playing the Call of Duty games. Uh, the zombies mode is really fun, though. You know, only one map. Uh, the story was great. Yeah. Uh, and multiplayer, I think, is fine. I know some people who are hardcore Call of Duty fans are not happy with the multiplayer and the specific gun balance right now. But overall, I have enjoyed my time with it. Uh, Josh, are there any games that you didn't get to play in 2020 that you would like to have played? I mean, I'll put Assassin's Creed on that same list because I barely scratched the surface on it. Um, I'm, I am constantly hovering over the buy button for Watch Dogs Legion. I don't know why. I didn't like the first two Watch Dogs. I don't know why I'm hovering over that button. Um, but I am, and I probably will eventually buy it if Ubisoft Plus doesn't come to Game Pass, (laughs) which sounds like it might. Um... There's probably other games, but like I just gave you what thirteen games on my honorable mention list. Right. So I have so many other games I want to play. Not to mention I'm I haven't turned my PlayStation on for a bit. I know there's games on my PS5 that are just waiting to be played. Uh, so there's definitely other games. I guess I'll throw um, um, Lego DC villains on there because I got to create <laughs> my own villain with my son. That's always fun. Named the villain Siphonophore, which is a uh, uh, <laughs> which is a deep sea uh, jellyfish. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> he learned from the octonauts. So my we have a lizard, a green <laughs> and red Godzilla lizard bad guy named Siphonophore. Which when he sees a picture of my Lego. Phil and he says, I've honored So that brings me <laughs> ultimate joy. But yeah, there's so many awesome. games I want to play. Um, I guess Microsoft Flight Simulator is also on that list. <laughs> yeah, my specific list of games I haven't played, but I wanted to, that I thought potentially might vie for a spot in my top 10. Uh, it's kind of long. Uh, most of them are end of the year games. Not all of them, but most of them are. Uh, the Pathless, uh, Demon Souls, Bug Snacks. Which more just because I've been playing Valhalla, like I really wanted to play Bug Snacks, I think just from a, for a change of pace. Uh, Cyberpunk, obviously I haven't played it all yet. Immortals Phoenix Rising, Persona 5 Royal, 
uh, and Spirit Fair. Those were the games I've really wanted to play that I have not played yet this year. So those are kind of on my to-do list slash playlist before Outriders comes out, but I don't think I'm going to get all of those done. I well, I don't want to speak for you. I've played most of those games on your list. Bug Snacks for me, you probably like Bug Snacks. Uh, <laughs> I know. I, I well, I know you are not a fan, but I I feel like it's kind of a Kyle game. So it's definitely a Kyle game. Yeah, you'll probably love it. <laughs> yeah. So awesome. All right. Well, hey, those were our top ten games of the year. We did ask. Oh, actually, before we get to emails and questions, actually, no, we'll do this first. We did ask out over in the Twitterverse if anyone had any thoughts on their favorite games this year, and we did get a response from Super Listener Splig. Josh, do you want to take us through it? Yeah, uh, Splig at Delicious chimes in. Um, he says The Last of Us 2, Root, iOS, which, man, if I had an iPhone, I would be playing the heck out of that game. Uh, I wonder if it's on Android. I'll have to look it up. Uh, pretending to, quote, quirk, unquote, from home so I don't get the vid. Uh, I get it. Uh, I didn't get to play too much. Also, I very much worked hard from home employer who may be seeing this. Um... <laughs> Yeah, so uh, I know Shipley plays a lot of board games. Uh, it's nice to see Last of Us 2 make that list. Uh, I 100% support Last of Us 2 being on people's number one of the year list because it is a phenomenal game. And yeah, Root, like I said, honestly, so good. So And, and actually, uh, I saw Shipley's tweet about Root, and I think... Um, they picked leader picked up on it and he might have tagged us in it. And I think that was what inspired me to, um, look into it again. And it was on sale on steam. So uh, I kind of have to thank Splake for that. Very cool. All right. Well, again, those were our top 10 games of 2020. Please do reach out to us. Let us know your top games of 2020. We want to know what you enjoyed playing this year, but that brings us to prediction time. So Josh, what is going to be announced on Monday before our podcast is released on Tuesday? The medium will be delayed until March. (laughs) Okay. That's a, that's a pretty solid one. That's a pretty solid one. I think Nintendo is going to announce their next direct. Oh, they just announced when the direct is coming. <laughs> when the direct is coming. Yep, exactly. It'll be sometime this yeah. week. That's what I think is going to happen. Okay. I'm probably wrong, but you know what? I figure maybe if I say that, then all of the Nintendo people will be like, oh, wait, is there a direct coming? Yeah, it's going to start trending what? tomorrow. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I'm oh, sorry. So, It'll on, start trending on, on Tuesday. Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. So, but no, it'll be cool. I, I, I do think we're going to start getting some announcements soonish because I think kind of everyone is in that position where we're all like, what's happening? Yo, is we should, for everyone. Some. We some Sunday when we record, we should record like we just watched a direct and talk about what we saw in the direct <laughs> and just not even address that it didn't happen and see see if any Nintendo fans that listen besides Donnie say something to us because I know Donnie would call us right out. <laughs> and he would tell us we're being done. I couldn't believe <laughs> we finally got a release date for Metroid Prime 4. <laughs> cool all right well hey awesome that was all of our gaming stuff but hey we like to do other things that aren't gaming so we do want to leave you with one pre- i was going to say prediction but man <laughs> that is the wrong segment it's been a, getting back on the horse recording has been kind of hard being off you're doing a great two hours. job <laughs> <laughs> so we do want to leave you with one recommendation suggestion or thing we're currently into is that is helping us live a well rounded life josh what is your recommendation for listeners this week 
I well, first of all, I recommended a couple weeks back the great um the British show I discovered, the 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 quiz thing of the decade. And I have there's so many there's at least two there's at least one for each decade and well, one for each decade. That's silly. There's one for every year of every decade also. And I've just sunk into this awesome British hole. And Kristen Shaw was on one of the last ones. So like every once in a while, they had an American comedian and that's great. Um, even my wife, like when we were playing Isle of Cats, she was getting caught up and watching it too. Um, so that's still sitting in my well-rounded life, but we started His Dark Materials on um, HBO Max. We started on New Year's Eve. We got, um, I know everyone gets Chinese food, but we get sushi. Uh, not the same, but like in like a weird, I don't want to sound racist, but same wheelhouse. Um, we sat down and we couldn't find a movie to watch. And I was perusing HBO Max because we started Wonder Woman 84 and I had to turn it off because it was so bad. Uh, so we said, I said, hey, let's start His Dark Materials. I know it's a very popular book series and we are halfway through season one. I know season two recently came out. I I looked at her last night. We watched some more last night. And I said, I don't know why I can't put my finger on it, but I love this show. Something about it. It blends so many things in together, so many different genres of TV. And the acting is so well done. And they do something I did say while we were watching is there's a lot of things in this um, where there's animals that speak Um and you're not even really sure if they speak to everyone or just a specific person or what. We have, we have these debates. And this is also the show I've debate, dubbed the IMDB show. We're constantly pausing it to see where this person is from. <laughs> so it stars the girl who played X-23 in Logan, who was oh, okay. so good. Uh, but we keep pausing it. She's like, where is that lady from? And I was like, oh, you don't know her from anything. Where's that guy from? I was like, he looks like he's from Game of Thrones, but I don't know. And then we go through his IMDb and like, oh yeah, 12 episodes of Game of Thrones. <laughs> so it's been a lot of fun. They do such a good job for a, a TV series with the CGI. Um, they use so many animals and they they all have to be CGI because of what they do. But you can barely tell. And it's so well done. And uh I don't know. For some reason, this is just, it makes me, this is a show that I realize I smile the whole way through. Even when like the villains are bad and they're so bad that it makes me hate them. But I'm still like enjoying the experience of watching the show. Uh, it has James McAvoy, it has Lin-Manuel Miranda, um, it has the girl from The Affair who I always forget her name and I have to keep looking it up. Um, but she's very good. Uh, there's just a lot of great actors in it as well, and we, I know we haven't scratched the surface on like uh, character, like actors joining the series. But his dark materials gets a very, very, very high recommendation from me on HBO Max. Very cool. 
Uh, I have two. One of them will be very quick, and the other one I'll go a little more in-depth on, but not super in-depth. Uh, the quick one is that if you are a fan of science fiction slash fantasy writing, or specifically a fan of the author Brandon Sanderson, uh, you may not know that he teaches a science fiction fantasy course at BYU once a year. Uh, and his the lectures from his entire spring 2020 course are on his YouTube channel. So if you are interested uh, in either the world he creates or in interested in being a writer yourself uh, or just generally interesting about how the craft of writing works uh, and you want to see someone who has been very successful in their craft teach a class on how to write for science fiction and fantasy, you can watch Brandon Sanderson's entire lecture series uh, from his BYU class on his YouTube for free. So. A, just throwing that out there if that's something of interest to you. The other thing, though, or the, my big recommendation this week is something that I didn't know that I would like until I started watching <laughs> it, and then I couldn't stop watching it. Uh, and that is a uh, documentary series on Disney Plus called On Point, uh, and it is about a season in, at the School of American Ballet, or SAB, uh, in New York City. Now, I am not much of a ballet person. I enjoy art in all of its forms, but dancing is the kind of the one that has never really gotten me. Uh, and ballet specifically has never been something that I've uh, really ever fallen in love with or really enjoyed very much. But it's very, very interesting to watch this show because it kind of follows two groups of people. It follows both the people who are teenagers, like, you know, 15, 16, 17, 18, who want to be ba- want to go into ballet as their profession, who are taking school classes at SAB, um, some of them from out of state, living in the residence halls that SAB has, like on, on at their place uh, in New York City. So it follows them, but then it also follows the kids who are taking classes just because they think ballet is fun and cool that are also the kids then that they use in their annual production of The Nutcracker. Oh. That is done with the New York City ballet. <laughs> so it's following like these two groups of like, Kids who are just like, ballet is fun and cool. Like, I'm going to do this. Plus, kids who are like, I want to be, you know, in ballet. Like, that is what I want my job to be. Um, And just seeing both those, some of the kids want to go on and do that. Some of the kids are just doing it because it's one of the seven activities that they do. Uh, It's just really, really interesting. And for something that would be, you know, all these kids are, especially the older kids, are wanting to go on and do ballet, like, as their thing, as their profession, as their career, and maybe it's for the cameras, I don't know, but just seeing the earnestness of how badly they want everyone to be successful, how humble they are, and they're like, well, I'm really strong in this, but I'm really weak in these areas, and that I always know there are people who are going to be better than me, and how am I working to try to improve myself? And just the insides of like, what you know, especially for like the women, like how many pairs of shoes do they go through, and what do they have to do once they get their shoes, and like all of these just really interesting things that I've never really thought about. Uh, it's all covered and it's all done. It's pretty wholesome. I'm sure there are probably things that maybe are very different. Maybe there's you know dr- more drama than is shown because it is a Disney Plus show. But overall, I was pleasantly surprised with how much I enjoyed the show. I watched it all in like two days. Uh, really, really good. That's on point on Disney Plus. Josh, what do you say we wrap this show up? Well, let's do that. Uh, Thanks for joining us, everyone. In addition to finding us on Twitter and Instagram at BoardWithVG, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash BoardWithVG. So feel free to give us a five-star rating over there. Also, if you don't communicate in the... Okay, okay, let's let's, take that from one. Also, if you want to communicate in the more long form where you're just not feeling social media feel free to email us at boardwithvg at gmail.com. The only podcast 
who stumbles on the sentence communicate. Uh, we, ta- we tag our stuff with hashtag board of the Fiji. So please feel free to use that hashtag as well on all of social media so we can search for you and see what you're playing and what you're up to. And whatever podcast service you're listening to us on, we encourage you to give us a stellar rating. That is, whether you're downloading us from the PSVG feed, the Dice Tower Network feed, or our very own standalone board with video games feed. You can find me on Xbox Live, PlayStation Network, at Why So Serious, that's S-I-R-R-I-U-S, which reminds me I can go in and change my Twitch name back to... Hopefully, why so serious? S I R R I U S. So, uh, look out for that. Otherwise, it's S I I R I U S, which, you know, I just like to make things more complicated. Kyle, where can people find you? So, you can find me at all of the usual places Twitter, Instagram, PlayStation Network, Xbox Live, Board Game Geek, all at Psychocross, C Y C O C R O S S. As always, if you have suggestions for future topics, be sure to reach out to us on the social media because we want to talk about what you want to hear about. And remember, everyone, whether it be board games or video games, never stop gaming.